Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating, not just reducing, completely eradicating. I believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for Mondays, not Fridays, and get to do their most meaningful work. The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. This podcast is titled Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. In each episode, I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable, but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves, and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership. At the end, I will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast. And with that, let's get started. Shrikant is the president, CEO and co-founder at Engagedly and is focused on leveraging technology to build high-performing workplaces. In the interview, Shrikant delves into the challenges of starting and sustaining new endeavors. He emphasizes the need to build resilience by training our minds and he shares a pivotal experience of producing a film when he was faced with financial setbacks and he demonstrated the value of belief and persistence. He candidly discusses the struggles of scaling a startup, adapting to changes and leading oneself before leading others. We talk about listening, delaying reactions and using humor effectively as a leader. Aishwarikant, welcome to the Choosing Leadership podcast. Yeah, thanks, Sumit. Good to have you. Same here. Good to have you with us today. And why don't you start by sharing a bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Shri, as you know, short for Shrikant, based in St. Louis. Serial entrepreneur, but I also do other things around entrepreneurship. So it's not always about technology. I run Engagedly, which is a people strategy, people management software focused in talent management for mid-sized organizations. Apart from that, I've had a journey of running and growing other tech organizations, had an exit before on that in healthcare tech. Apart from that, I run a production and music production services company as well. We have a recording studio where we make music. I've produced and made feature films in the past as well. I've also been in real estate where I own several properties. I would buy old dilapidated properties and fix them up and restore them back to their old glory. So I've done a lot of things along my life. I all, But they all had the same principle of being an entrepreneur and, and working with people, essentially. Yeah. And can you share a bit more about your roots, right? So I see multiple dots here, entrepreneurship, technology, even something as creative as filmmaking and then what you mentioned, real estate, right? Where is this drive or where is the desire coming from? Curiosity, essentially. So I grew up in New Delhi, 
where I did engineering in University Delhi, University of Delhi. And then I moved to US to do my master's in finance and in international business. And then ended up in a organization where I worked in project management and technology. But then after that, I, I wanted something more exciting. So I ended up in doing consulting with Ernst & Young, which later became Capgemini. And then I did work, worked at a new startup that I joined a little bit later after it started. So early stage startup that we grew to 100 million in revenue. But along the way, I've always had this passion for doing things, interesting things and new things and taking on challenges. I didn't want to necessarily have an easy path or I should say more of a normal career path of working in an organization and then growing into a VP, senior VP, and then eventually maybe a C-level or whatever, right? I think I wanted to try different ideas. I've always loved theater and I've loved films as a child. And as a young man, I was in theater groups in improv and things like that. So that led me to explore around photography and films. And eventually I decided, hey, why not try to make a movie? And I started writing around that. So that kind of drove that passion. And one of the things that I think that drives me in the sense is that there's a certain level of curiosity you have about trying something new. I sometimes take it beyond just being a hobby to something that I actually want something with real. Yeah. That's part one of my flaws, if you will, where I can't just keep something as a hobby sometimes. So I think I have to be a little careful because there's only so much of me to go around sometimes, right? I have to uh, calibrate my energy accordingly to do those things. But those typically lead to multiple areas where I have done things and I learn from all the experiences. I, I can't say I excel in every one of them. In fact, I probably excel in nothing. But I learn a lot from that and it gives me a reason to wake up in the morning and do something fun. Yeah, yeah. So I'm noticing two things here, which maybe you can shed some light on. One is that not just a curiosity, but also the courage or that like that guts to take action on that, right? Because a lot of people have diverse interests, but very rarely do people do anything about it, especially in multiple areas. And then the second thing is actually executing and getting something to completion, right? So you not just have dabbled into all of these areas that you mentioned, you have actually like established yourself, you have created a portfolio, you have done something very concrete and executed on these things. So can you shed a light on these two things, starting up something new and then also executing and taking things to completion. Starting something new is actually very easy. A lot of people do that, right? Everybody starts something. Everybody starts going to the gym or mm. starts drawing or photography or writing or starts a business or starts the love of cooking, whatever the passion may or start. Yeah. What people don't do, majority of them, and I would say a large majority of them, is to go through that initial high and then they realize how hard it is to do it day in, day out. And there's this mm. low that they hit. That's yeah. when people get disillusioned, discouraged, and quit at some point in there. And the thing is, you have to realize you'll go through those peaks and valleys, and the, the crests and the droves throughout your life cycle of anything, whether it's marriage, your relationships, your passion, your business, Whatever it is, you'll go through these pros and do you quit at the first time you hit a roadblock or do you push through it? Because most cases, the only way to the other side is not around it or quitting, mm -hmm. it's quit. And I think that was, an, that was something that if you, once you get it, you realize that. 
and then you can actually execute on it. And that requires training your mind to do hard things. Obviously, one of my people I admire on the internet is a big thought leader, as David Goggins. He talks a lot about doing hard things and and pushing through it. And I'm not saying he's the one who I did it. I always did it, but that that resonated with me. Is you have to train your brain to do hard things. And it could be something else related, unrelated to what you're doing. But it trains your brain to do hard things. If you are training your brain to say, I will be able to fast for 24 hours or longer, it's a hard thing to do. But if you can train your brain to do that, then you can train your brain to go to the gym every day. Then you can, then your brain is trained to say, I can do those things. It's a hard thing. Yeah. I can push through it work through my problems with I'm having in my business and push through it. I think that is the training the brain from one department or one function or one hobby does translate. Develop that resilience to be able to yeah. push through. Yeah. And maybe can you share an example of like an instance like that when the stakes were high, maybe there was fear, there was insecurity and then you pushed through it and then like over a period of time, how do you actually train your brain, right? How do you build that resilience? It's an ongoing process. I don't think you do it one day and then you're done. You're like, okay, I've trained my brain. I don't need to do it anymore. You have to constantly be on that edge of discomfort. I actually use that term a lot. You cannot be developing unless you're on the edge of discomfort. If you're getting comfortable, you're not getting, you're not developing. And that's fine for some people. And many people, that's fine. But if you are really interested in exploring your talent out and doing new things, then that is not fine. You're not going to get anywhere if you're trying to be comfortable. It depends on what you want in life. So if you just want a more normal life, eight to five, go to enjoy your weekends, great. That's your life. Nobody's, I don't think there's nothing wrong with it. But you can't then complain that, oh, I wish I should have done entrepreneurship. Now I'm 50 years old. It's too late. Actually, it's not too late, even then. So an example I'll give you is, there are several examples. I'll give you one example about my first film I did. It was called Ghost Image. I was the co-writer and the producer of that film. It turned out that film, and I was in EY at the time, I had taken basically a, a combined all my vacations and time and obviously mini sabbatical like a month out to focus on that. Now to do that, obviously, you had to work through the period before that. So I was working every weekend, most, a lot of evenings in working on the script, trying to get the right cast working with my co-writer and their director and raising fi financing for that. It turned out to be a fairly expensive film, at least for me at that time. And then as we got closer to the finish line of starting the movie, you know, the finish line, mm -hmm. all this is to day one of the shoot. All the actors are flying in from LA, New York, Chicago, St. Louis, where I am. You hired all the crew. We have a 50 member, 50 member crew. These teams are pretty, fairly decent sized. On day on a shoot, my funding fell through. I didn't know what to do. That's a really bad situation. And you'd gone too far to pull the plug. Now, my, may, most people may have pulled the plug. I don't know. Or they may have shot the movie halfway and pulled the plug, which would have been even worse because then you got nothing even, and you spent the money mm -hmm. or spent a lot of it. I just had this confidence that I'll figure it out. Let me go to shoot. I'll figure it out. And I did. Without going into details, I, during the shoot, I was constantly calling my financiers, calling my friends and fam, friends of friends, and also looking at tapping my into my savings. I almost, you know, I maxed out, I think seven, six, seven credit cards at that point, emptied my retirement account, 
and went just pushed through it. Now, that's a very risky thing to do if you think about it. Most people wouldn't do that. But I wanted to finish what I started, which is this film. It turned out great because the film actually got picked up by 20th Century Fox and all the investors made their money and more. I got lucky. There was a lot of luck in play here as well, mm. to be honest. I can't say it was all me because things worked out. But it could have easily not have worked out and I would have had to spend the next five years paying my debt off. Yeah. So that was an example that hardened me. It also built a sense of belief in self, right? That believe that you can do something, your mind and your body will follow in that. But this starts with the belief that it is possible. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that example. And now coming to what you're doing now, right? Can you share how did you come to starting your current company and what is the vision? What is it that you want to create for the world through that? Yeah. If you just step back and look at the big picture. We spend, and you probably will also attest to this, we spend our best time of the day, our best years of our life at work. Yeah. Your most waking, alert, energy hours are spent at work. They're not spent doing fun things. They're not spent what I would call quote-unquote fun things. They're not spent spend time with your family. Well, yes, you get those weekends, but you're usually exhausted by the time Friday comes around and then Saturday, you spend time and then Sunday, you're thinking about, oh, shit, I got to go to work on Monday. That narrative is not how humans should live, is my personal belief. So what that means is that work should be fulfilling where it, you feel energized to be at work. It should not be a, a like, oh, I'm just going to work. I hate this job. I don't like my manager. I don't like this organization. I can't wait. You're looking at the clock. You can't wait to fire you or look at your calendar and say, let me, I can't wait for these meetings to finish so I can go home and, and chill with or, or watching Netflix or with my family or whatever that is. That narrative is what we want to change. It's engagedly. Our mission, we are on a mission to provide people with fulfilling careers by helping organizations align the organizational goals with people's aspirations at work. And so we provide tools to do that. Obviously, culture has to support it. If you have a bad manager, you have a bad manager. Our tools cannot fix that. The tools can help a manager who wants to be good to get better. So what started is this whole belief because I started making movies because I was probably not fulfilled at work to some extent. I actually enjoyed my job. I wasn't, I didn't enjoy my job, but I wasn't getting all my fulfillment. Mm -hmm. I do that, but it could have been a lot worse where you really hated going to the job. I didn't necessarily hate, my, hate, hate going to the job, even at my previous careers. So I think that is the reason I, when one of my co-founders suggested that we want to build engagedly, the whole concept is engagedly is about engaging Building engaging workplaces, it resonated with me. I don't know what that meant in terms of the product and tools. And that's a journey we've been on. And we are still on that path to figure out what that, what makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And how has the eight years been, especially since like COVID happened, a lot of changes in the way we work has happened. So can you share a bit on that? Yeah, I think the there are two things. One is as a startup, it's always a struggle. You're always fighting because you're not the incumbent. You're the insurgent. So mm -hmm. I you know, all have an insurgent mindset instead of an incumbent mindset, which means that every day you go to the, go to work with a battlefield mindset that we are here to fight a battle, competitively speaking. Now, in terms of COVID and all the changes, it's actually been all good tailwinds for us because you realize that organizations have gotten more distributed. They've also gotten more people-centric because our product is adapted by organizations who want to focus on their people. 
to build these fulfilling workplaces, as I'm calling it. Yeah. That mindset is in the right direction right now, right? People do want organizations to have purpose. Organizations do want to have a place where people want to work, whether it is remote or in the office. And in a distributed environment, global environment, you need tools to engage and connect people. You need tools to work together as a team, whether it is goals that you're working on together, whether it is having a good cultural aspect of your, uh, the organization and building these rewards and recognition programs that are global in nature. Yeah. So our tools, has, tools have been very uh, the right place at the right time in some ways. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And what would be your biggest pain point or like hurdle that you're trying to overcome either as a company outside in the marketplace? Is it like more convincing people of the need for something like this or also what would be a challenge or a hurdle inside the organization as you scale your own setup? Yeah, I'll talk about the inside of the organization first, to some extent. Scaling a startup is actually one of the hardest things to do. It is, and I, it is somewhat easier to be a CEO of a billion-dollar company, which is already set up and running and profitable, than it is to scale a company to ten million dollars in revenue. Yeah. Yes, there are different skill sets. If you're a billion-dollar company, you have certain expectations. You want to make sure you don't screw it up. You know. It's working, don't screw it up. Just make sure it is working and getting slightly better every year. Here, you're trying to accelerate with a almost a dysfunctioning process because you're building the process. People are going in and out. You probably don't have a brand name, so you can't attract the best people. You're not getting the top university graduates. You're not getting the best of the best in the pool because the best of the best are going to the top, the Facebooks and the, the Googles and Apple and all of them where they may not be having a fulfilling career because they're one of 100 people in a team. Where here, you you have the opportunity to shape something. So getting the best talent while you're building the process, it, I think is the hardest part. And sometimes the process that you built a year ago is no longer relevant. You have to rebuild it or change it. And so there's a lot of change involved in the startup. People are People are constantly shifting their process, their roles. So it can be a little bit stressful for people at work. And I get it as, as a CEO myself. I initiate a lot of those changes, which are uncomfortable for many of them. You do more often of that than you would do in a larger organization. So that is the hard part. The external factors are really, a, we are a, almost like a low-funded startup. We funded, we got a CDC, but it wasn't a lot. So we are competing against uh, high flyers, the VC darlings of Silicon Valley and also, at the same time, the incumbents who are well-funded, like the mm -hmm. SAPs, Oracles, and, and positioned work day of the world, not necessarily we are competing against them. Many of them are partners. But we're, so we're trying to find the space between this jigsaw puzzle. And that's obviously not easy, which is mm -hmm. why a lot of startups don't succeed because they don't find the right solution and in the right amount of time. Because otherwise, once the money runs out or the clock runs out, you're yeah. out. So that's a constant struggle to make sure money doesn't run out, our time on the other side, our customers mm -hmm. continue to adopt us and work with us and grow. Yeah. And as you rightly said, that could be stressful. And especially if you have like people, if you have teams, then everybody can come back to you and talk about what is bothering them. But how do you absorb it for yourself, right? How do you absorb the emotions without amplifying it? And how do you keep a sane head to actually lead 
not just yourself, but an organization of 100 plus now. There's actually one of my, I did a, a couple of podcasts myself with, in a webinar with this Matt Pepsell, Dr. Matt Pepsell. He's a talent optimization leader in predictive index. He said something that resonated with me. And he actually wrote a book that I read and I talked about that, which was really about, you had to start, before you can lead others, you had to lead yourself. And then the whole journey is you lead yourself first and then you lead others, then you lead the organization, then you lead the world, right? That's mm. a journey of leadership. Yeah. If you are disorganized yourself and you are not prioritizing your own work, you have no business leading others, first of all. But ask yourself, are you doing the right things in the right order, at the right pace, and using the right process first before you can start leading other people. Leading other people is not telling them what to do and, and then scolding them if they don't do it or praising them when they do it. It's, it's to giving is to help them give the resources and tools so they can be successful. And the resources and tools can be a process, a template, an approach, and then working with them through the solution Helping them prioritize. Those are all the resources and tools you can give as a leader. You can't give that unless you have your house in order in your own life, yeah. in your own work. So I think that is the important part. Now, to your question about how do I keep my calm when the stress, man right. stress. I think it's, I, I can tell you how I do it. I'm not sure this is what I would say. Everybody should do it. But what works for me is to be a good listener and not react immediately. You know, good listener, if somebody gives you a point of view which is different than what you were thinking, then it challenges your own equation and your own approach. So you're like, okay, so I thought this is what we should do, but this lady is saying I should do this. Let me, in, instead of rejecting it and saying, no, this is the way, which could be true because yeah. you might be confident of your approach. But also to look at, okay, why is this, approach, how could I be wrong about my, mm. test my, my assumptions on why I think I'm right, but also think about why could I be, how could I be wrong? Things that could go wrong. And then look at that assumption and the other, other person's assumption and say, okay, what is it that they're saying that makes sense? And is that maybe a better way? And then, so before you react, just think of those things. And sometimes you have to test your hypothesis. Maybe we can try it this way and we can try it this way and let's try, let's see which one works better. Or I'll let you try it your way and we'll come back in two weeks and see if it worked. You want to give that some of agency to that employee as well. Otherwise, you're not giving them the whole point about fulfillment at work, right? Yeah. If you're not agency in their own career, in their own work. So I think that is an important aspect. Now, keeping the cool, I think it's important to keep a cool because however you react, it gets amplified in the organization. And sometimes you want that amplification and, some, and many times you don't want them to yeah. show your frustration, your stress, because the stress will permeate throughout the organization. You don't necessarily show, so it's a tough one. It's like, yeah. Sometimes you kind of have to sit back and just mm -hmm. let it start in you with, without having to have an outburst or show the stress, things like that. And use humor. I think a lot of times you can criticize or, or ask people to change by using humor instead mm -hmm. of being ticked and stern about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think silence or like giving it time is what you shared and not re immediately reacting or speaking and simply listening. This creates that space for that emotions to die down. And then I think humor is a very powerful skill for anybody who communicates to bring across a difficult point without making people defensive or without offending anybody. 
And I think it's a much needed skill in the workplace because it's directly related with laughter or how much fun people yeah. have, which we also touched upon a bit earlier. Yeah. Yes. I'll give an example. One of my favorite quotes I use, I think, I don't think anybody else uses this, but I use it. Maybe I created it at some point in my life. I, I use this term called, you can't make a donkey run the derby. But then, and I, so when somebody complains that, hey, I'm not getting this result from this employee and he's frustrated or she's frustrated and I am frustrated from that. Mm -hmm. You can say, hey, is this a donkey or a racehorse? Are you getting a donkey to run the derby? Or are you asking a racehorse to blow the fields? You got to put the right people in the right roles. And I mean, obviously, that, I'm explaining that. It's yeah. humor. Are you getting a donkey to run the derby at this point? Or am I doing that? And that breaks, breaks a few laughs, but it, but they get the point of that. Absolutely. So coming to your organization as a whole, right? As you grow, as you become more established, what do you think is the biggest challenge that you face as the organization, even with more awareness of that well, like, we need to change the way we work. We need to change the way we engage. I think engagement, like Gallup surveys around engagement have been low for decades, if not more now. Yeah. Engagement actually improved for a bit and then I think it went down again. So <laughs> last, I think it went down. The biggest challenge for us, I would say, is us, not mm -hmm. external environment. The environment is the environment. I cannot change the environment. So I always ask me, do we have the right solution for the market? Do we have the right resources? Do we have the right people? To me, I can't focus on the environment changing the environment. I can change how I behave and react to that mm -hmm. environment and how I position myself in the organization to be successful in that environment. So I think the biggest challenge is, and I think it'll always be for the near future, and maybe, I don't know, forever, maybe, I don't know, is going to be having the right people, the right approach, making sure we're doing the right things in the right order. That to me, that's the biggest. And obviously having the resources to do that. Yeah. Uh, and resources, obviously people, but also it's money. It's also having enough time, all of that. Yeah. Yeah, so I think what I'm listening is that being a young startup, that resources, but also continuously listening to the market and then making sure that you're experimenting or you're proposing something rather than like trying to force something to. Would that be accurate? Yes, you, have, you cannot be dogged headed mm -hmm. about it. have to be flexible. You have to be dogged about making sure you're keeping moving, keep moving forward. Yeah. And that you don't lose faith and belief in yourself and your teams and your offerings but being able to listen to the market and react accordingly and then test some hypothesis as a startup you cannot test many hypotheses so you have to be sure how much hypothesis and how many different approaches you can try you can't be like oh we have this startup group where they're experimenting new things or google has these things yeah but they're google and cm you are not you don't have those type of luxuries where i can have 10 people working on some special project yeah and yeah we have to fairly make sure this thing is going to work because mm -hmm. you might get one more shot at it, but not more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And also, as we begin to wrap up, can you share something about you, which most people that you work with are not aware of? Oh, most people I work with probably are aware of everything I do because I talk a lot mm. about, I'm very vocal on LinkedIn. I write a weekly email to my entire organization on Monday mornings on my thoughts, my perspectives about the organization, about the things I just talked about as well. The only thing I would say is that I think I, I'm intensely curious and that gets me into trouble. So I have to sometimes rein it back. 
and then manage my energy. I guess one thing I will say about myself is that I have realized one thing is that we actually have enough time, and but we don't have unlimited energy. We only can put so much energy in a day. You yeah. actually have time. You could work for 17, 18 hours and still get enough sleep. Not every day, but most days. You could, but you don't actually have 17, 18 hours of good energy. You only have six to eight hours of good energy that you need to optimize. And I realized that, and I think, so I'm prioritizing that in a sense. I don't know that answers your question, but that is one thing I wanted to share. Yeah, yeah I think that's certainly a wonderful thing to come from a, like a startup leader and that we are always looking for more time and or to do more. But what you're saying is that we do have enough time. It's about something even more important, right? Time itself is not useful if we don't have the energy or the right mind space, mental space to actually make use of that. And then if you are a setup, if you are a hundred people setup, it's, I think it's more important to see how the whole system or the team works in cohesion rather than just like a few people driving or the leaders trying to find more time or to cram in more work. And I think that goes against some of those notions around Hoshin, right? The hustle culture and just trying to slog everything out. So thank you for yeah. You can slog things out as long as people believe in it, right? If yeah. there's some belief, they will push through it. In the sense that their work is being appreciated, there's a sense of purpose, people will push through it. But if you can't build that level with yeah. your team, your people, and they don't, it doesn't have come intrinsically. You can't motivate with them just money. As a startup, yeah. we don't have enough money. At least companies like yes. us who are not VC yeah. darlings, we don't have a lot of money to throw out. So we yeah. have to motivate them. I think another key message from what you were sharing was prioritization, right? Because you can do anything, but you cannot do everything. So you yes. have to be very clear-headed on what matters uh, and then break it down by month, by quarter and say that this is our energy, this is our resources. Let's focus on this and let, let's take the next step later. So that's also an important telling. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So before, before we end, if anybody who's listening, who wants to reach out to you, maybe find out more about what you're doing, not just with, uh, with what you're trying to build, but also with the other, other creative interest, what would be the best way for people to find out? Yeah, so you can read about what we do at engagedly.com. I am very active on LinkedIn. So Srikanth Chalapa in LinkedIn would be a good place to follow me. My production company is Kalinga Production Studio. You can go there and read more about what we do as well. If you Google my name, you can see my movies, even music that we released recently from the band I'm part of. So yeah, there's quite a bit of me out there, unfortunately, available to you see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I was, as I was doing my research for this, like this podcast, so there's the usual stuff which you like do to prepare for the podcast, but then there's stuff which I'm like holding on for the weekend that I want to figure out like what this man is about. There's so much which comes out of you. And yeah, so I think your curiosity, what you said shows in what you have been up to and it adds value in making other people more curious. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So thank you once again for being here, for sharing your life story. And as we end, I would like to wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead for you. Yeah. Thank you, Sumit. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Srikanth. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction 
not just for yourself but for everybody around you if you got something out of this episode would you share this episode on social media and if you know somebody who would be a great guest can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show and if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast and i love seeing your posts and guest suggestions this is what i do most naturally to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light to help you see what you are already capable of to make sure you don't miss any episodes go ahead and subscribe your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team if you want to know more go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on linkedin i want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and i want to thank you for listening always remember that you are enough you are loved and you matter this is sumit until next time keep choosing leadership